Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 136 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff. I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, going to do something a little bit different this week and next week. I'm doing like a tiny mini series. How does that sound? And it all focuses on life online. I think this is this is what I believe. I believe we're in the midst of one of the biggest revolutions in centuries that when people look back, they'll see sort of our lifetime as a pivot point in history, probably as big as the Industrial Revolution or the inventing of the uh, printing press or maybe even going back to Constantine or the development prior to that of the Roman road system. What do I mean? Well, like life is fundamentally changing and we have this thing called the internet. I mean, a lot of you are old enough to remember First of all, when there was dial-up, and probably all of us listening to this still remember it was only 10 years ago when Steve Jobs stood on a stage and held up a device that he said would be the internet and your music player and a phone all in one, and everybody went, what? You know, like that. that is how recent this is. And so this week and next week, I got a couple of uh, leaders on the podcast. I've got Steve Fogg this week and Justin Dean next week. And they're going to be talking uh, in different ways about technology. And I know probably the temptation for you, if you're like me, is to think, okay, well, you know, we got our Facebook page, we got our website. Yep. What else? I mean, maybe your church streams online or your business or organization, you know, has a, a decent online uh, presence. But I think for a lot of us, we're still living in the 90s. We're still living in the early 2000s. And so I want to have a couple of just mind-bending conversations this week and next week. This week with Steve Fogg, it's going to be about building an online and social media ministry for your church from scratch, because that's what he did. And again, if you lead an organization in the marketplace, a lot of the principles are going to be transferable. And then Justin, Dean, and I have a more theoretical conversation, which, which I find you know just fascinating, about what are the limits of the online world? What about the future church? And what is that going to look like? So uh, that's the next two weekends. So it's my little mini-series. And then we got Bob and Maria Goff. I just finished an interview with them. If you know Bob Goff from Love Does or Maria Goff from her new book, uh, Love Lives Here, fascinating people. That will not disappoint. And so much more coming up. Uh, I'm really excited about it. And hey, I just want to let you know, we, we passed a little milestone and they're happening faster and faster, but 3 million downloads for this podcast, which is crazy. This year, you guys have been sharing and downloading this episode, this podcast at a quarter million downloads a month. So this is nuts. So we haven't got like a giveaway or a celebration right now, but here's what we're going to do is you continue to share this and grow this and get this into the hands of more leaders, more church leaders, business people, board members, friends, all that stuff. Um, when we hit 5 million, we're going to throw a big party, okay? And that that could very well happen this year. So uh, we're going to throw a really big party. You will be the beneficiaries of that, I promise. And uh, hey, I just want to let you know what's coming up and, and how much fun you continue to make this. Thanks for the ratings, the reviews. Uh, thanks to all of you who subscribed recently. We had that little glitch. And um, I hope you're getting this delivered into your inbox every single Tuesday. You can subscribe absolutely free on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. So uh, thank you to everybody who's done that. If you haven't done that yet, hey, you can just do it, and then this stuff automatically appears. Also, I want to thank one of our partners for the last year, and that is Belay Solutions. You might have known them for years as EA Help, and they have provided me an assistant over the last year. They have been an incredible organization. And uh, you know what? If you are interested in getting some virtual help, that's what I'm doing this summer. It's like I'm building a team. Um, I'll tell you what, just go to belaysolutions.com and if you retain an assistant or if you also are just interested and you fill out their interest form, um, make sure you mention you heard it here because we are going to register you for a free live conference call with me and we're going to talk about uh, the ups and downs of using a virtual team. I think there are a ton of ups, like unbelievable ups to that. And uh, I'll give you some of the things I've learned over the last year. So that'll be a chance for us to connect as well. So if you're interested in that, head over to belaysolutions.com. And in the meantime, here's part one of my mini technology series. And uh, you're going to hear from my friend Steve Fogg 
as he talks about starting a social media and online ministry from scratch. Here you go. It's a thrill to have a guy who I've known for a number of years now, and a friend, but also a leader, Steve Fogg, on the podcast. Steve, welcome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, that's great. So uh, we met in Australia, where until very recently you lived, but you're still actually, this is the fun of our world, you're still actually, as we speak and record this interview, helping out a church in Melbourne, Australia, from what we would say is Derby, England, but you say Derby, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Derby, England. Derby. All right, D-E-R-B-Y. Found that out ahead of time. Sorry, North Americans are like, well, why would you pronounce that as an A? But anyway, so you're in Derby, which is great. And one of the things you are so passionate about, Steve, is helping churches reinvent their digital footprint. Before we went to air, you were already like, hey, why are you doing this on your Facebook strategy? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think a lot of leaders are in that. Like, I'm, you know, I, I was saying to you, I'm seen as fairly active on social media and people think I'm a leader, particularly, you know, for a leader my age in that area. I've heard that many, many times, but the reality is I, I don't really know what I'm doing. And, and so, so I'm glad there are people like you who do. So tell us a little bit about where you started in digital media and digital footprints for churches and uh, what you've done. Give us the, yeah. the thumbnail. Well, basically, very quickly, uh, rewinding, before I started serving in my church, uh, I was actually creative director, a uh, marketing and advertising agency. And uh, in that marketing and advertising agency, I was exposed to a lot of communications, corporate communications, public relations, and that, working alongside these very high-level individuals uh, who were just so experienced, actually, by osmosis, really, I started to get experience in that broader skill set. And then um, around the year 2000, God called me into ministry, and I started Bible college, and I started serving at my church as an intern, and that turned into a role in as a communications pastor uh, at Crossway, and uh, 10 years later, basically um, kind of bubbling along underneath the surface during that time. Obviously, social media started to come along and really um, I started to see the power and potential that social media had to connect us with our local community uh, and beyond. And just that incredible uh, connectivity that we'd never really had in human history before uh, that's so immediate. And really, that's kind of started my interest in all things digital and um, so I started to write about it I started to help other churches do it and and really started to really try and sharpen my skills for for crossway and that really um, really really led into um, how our church online campus launched and um, and kind of it's kind of been this journey um, uh, and I think God's just been walking me down that pathway of going, I'm going to show you this little bit and I'm going to show you this little bit. And it just dropped this epiphany in my head one day. Uh, we had an older member of our family staying with us who was housebound and she was watching one of our sermons on our church app. And I love our church app. And um, But it was a recorded streaming message that she couldn't interact with anybody on. And God literally just dropped a thought into my head, church online. Hmm. And I went, oh, okay. So I thought, okay, well, I think that's us. We need to start this. So I went to see my senior pastor and said, I think we need to start a online campus and this is what it could look like. And we chatted for an hour and he said, yep, great. Draw me up a paper and we'll go see the church board uh, in a month or so and you can share that vision with them. So fast forward a month, we're sitting there with the church board, and it just so happened at the at that moment um, we were watching a, a church online service from the States, and the, the service literally started as we started to meet. Hmm. And, and it was just this serendipitous timing of God, and um, we, start, we started chatting with the chat person, the host, and she asked if she could pray for us, and we explained what we were doing, and so she prayed for us, and I think all of the light bulbs went on in everybody's head, and they saw the connectivity and the potential uh, for church, on, church Online in that moment. Do you remember what church that was that you tuned into? 
Yeah, I do. Um, that's friends of ours, uh, Life Doc Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life Church in Oklahoma. They are great. And they actually invented Church Online, right? Bobby and Craig and, and their whole team. Uh, Craig Rochelle, Bobby Grunewald invented Church Online. Isn't that cool? And they take a very pastoral approach to that, which is neat. So what year was that for? And let, let's say a little bit about your church too in Australia. It's in Melbourne. Uh, yep. And that is Crossway Church. So I preached there uh, more than once, actually, and uh, had a lot of time, a lot of good times in Australia. If you ever get a chance to go to Australia, you will not be disappointed. Or New Zealand, incredible places, great people. And uh, Dale Stevenson is your senior pastor, and so he gave you permission to start that. That was what twenty. 20- uh, so um, we started that in August 2015. Okay, so it was just just about under two years ago, and yeah. then um, you already already had a digital presence online. Like almost every church has a Facebook page, Twitter account, and lots of churches on Instagram, some on Snap, and so yeah. on. So, what was the extent? Uh, and and again, for leaders, don't worry if your church is like you and you are the social media team. Hang on, because we're going to get really practical at the end. But sometimes it's good to see the really big picture and what others are doing, and then try to figure out in the micro sense where to start, how to apply if you have no money. But almost everybody has a, a social media footprint. So what was yours prior to launching online? Yeah, well, we were on the channels that you've mentioned, really. But really, Facebook for us was kind of home base in, in the social terms. Uh, and we saw really a steady growth um, on that channel. Uh, when I took it over, we had about 400 people on it. And uh, we've now got about 80, nearly 90,000 people on it, I think now. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. You went from 400 to 80 or 90,000 in how many years? Oh, yeah. So that's rewinding probably about seven years. But That's pretty good, though. Started, yeah, since we started Church Online, we were at 12,000 when we started in, in August 2015. And we just that's just blown up to about, I think, nearly 90,000 now. So That's crazy. Okay, and this is a church. It's a big church. How many people would attend Crossway physically on a Sunday? Yeah, about 4,000. Yeah, I was going to say 4,000 or so. If you include Church Online, it, it bumps it up to about 6,500. Wow, so you got 50% of your attendance live on a Sunday happening online as opposed to in the room. So what, what, you know, a lot of people would say, great, you got 90,000 likes on Facebook, but what does that mean? Are these just people who liked your page one day on a good day? Like what kind of, what kind of interaction? Let's start with Facebook because er- almost everybody's on Facebook personally or organizationally. What kind of interaction and traction did you start with and where have you seen that grow? Yeah, well, uh, back in the good old days when Facebook uh, didn't um, gate their content, mm-hmm. say our engagement was a lot higher. Uh, for a page. And, and, and for I'm, leaders who may not know, okay, what do you mean gate the content? Because I, I, I know what you mean, but I'm not sure everybody tracks yeah. it that closely. So to monetize Facebook as a product, basically what they've done is uh, they make you pay to play now. So if you're a, a church or a profit organization and you've got a Facebook page, what they do is they control how many people see your content. And basically they put a limit on it. Unless you want to pay them, to reach more people. And that's that's basically what they mean by uh, that limitation. So this explains it, why, you know, individuals are a little bit different. And even there's an algorithm for people, which is different than an, the algorithm for individuals. Yes. But like if you started a Facebook account for your church and you're stumped as to why you poured your heart into this post and it, was, it says reached by three people, um, that yeah. wasn't necessarily the post. That was probably oh. Facebook. Uh, partly it, it was uh, Facebook, but also it can depend on the type of content that you can put out there. I mean, you can still you can still blow your Facebook page up and, and reach a lot of people. But you really have to be skillful and thoughtful. Like we had that happen. We did a, a Christmas ad uh, that we filmed here where I'm doing my podcast. And uh, we, we actually recorded it for radio. And I actually took a video of the guy recording it because I thought, how many people have actually seen a professional announcer record a radio ad? And we threw that on our Facebook pages. And on one of our campuses, it took off. And it got like, I don't know, thousands of views in a few hours. And, and that would be high traffic for us. So then we actually put 20 bucks behind it. It blew up even more. I think it landed at 50,000 views, which was, you know, that, that is very good traffic even for, for us. And it was mostly local which was yeah. really awesome. 
and and that's great awareness in in that next ring out for your church community and and it always has that potential the challenge is to do that on on an ongoing basis yeah. and you know i mean that's you know everyone wants that home run on every post and it's not right. always going to happen but as if you can be faithful and consistent and um just keep going don't give up on your on your facebook page and in just, a perfect world you've got somebody looking at it every day this is not something somebody does for three minutes while they're busy doing other things. You've, you've got someone who cares about it, is dedicated to it, is, is creative, that this is kind of their, their job or a meaningful part of their job, right, Steve? Yeah, look, you, you really want someone that's passionate about social uh, as your community manager, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we could split the roles up if you want, but most churches probably have one person managing the content, and often they give it to an administrative person and that's completely the wrong person to give it to. Yeah, you should be giving it to someone that is passionate about reaching people. And if you give it to that person, that online evangelist, you you watch them fly. I mean, they'll start looking at what types of content reaches people. Uh, but I, what I see is churches say, "Well, that feels like an administrative thing because we're going to make it an announcement, mm-hmm. an online announcement uh, bulletin." And so think of it as an engagement tool rather than an announcement tool. And so help us can... break that down, because we've talked about that before on the podcast with North Point and New Spring, and you know, yeah. we've been helped with that. But just um, what is the difference between an announcement in your mind, an announcement philosophy? Because I think it makes sense. The person who puts the bulletin together throw this on Facebook, right? But that's not how it works. That's not what Facebook rewards. No, no. And, and, and Facebook won't reward that, and you'll see that in who you don't reach. Right. And what, what that will do also for you, the rest of your content is that Facebook will look at you in the algorithm and say, do you know what? You're not reaching anyone. So we'll continue to show you to less people. Mm-hmm. So if any, any churches wanted to uh, think about, okay, what's an engaging strategy look like? Well, basically how I kind of try to sum it up practically is creating content that your audience wants to share. Mm. And if we can think about it as simply as that, um, what sort of content does the average member of your church like or share or comment on? And it can be anything from um, a, an excerpt of a video, maybe of a Sunday message, maybe a two-minute clip of, you know, something insightful that the speaker said on a, on a Sunday, through to um, if you've got the capacity to stream part of your service through Facebook Live. Uh, and you know, or and if you're going to do that, have someone there monitoring the comments mm-hmm. uh, because that's another form of engagement. And Facebook will recognise that and say, do you know what, these guys are using Facebook Live. We will then accelerate you to more uh, of your audience and beyond that as well. For the smaller church, you know, there are there's a community. You might have a photographer. You might want to do a simple photo booth. Uh, for our church, one of the best engagement posts has been at our Easter, Christmas, Mother's Day, Father's Day. I'm sure you've got national holidays mm-hmm. all over the world. A simple photo booth, taking photos of a family and then posting it onto Facebook uh, and telling that family you're going to post it onto Facebook, obviously getting a, a little signed release form, but posting it onto Facebook and tell them that's that's their photo album. And then they can go get it on Facebook. But what they'll probably do also is tag themselves in that photo. And as soon as you do that, you know, all of their friends will see it. And if they'll you post multiply- it to your wall, your church wall, yeah. Yeah, and then so- and then they find it there and they share it. They yeah, download so it, they share it. Simple album. Mm. And, and, and the thing I love about that also is that's what I would call a typical engagement post where people are celebrating people mm. and it, and it's, celebrating community and it's celebrating your church in a very different way to what most um, content is out there it's not just a sermon it's not just being preached at it's actually a different kind of angle to show that actually community happens and i i love that form of post because it's a much more um honest and authentic way of showing who actually is in your church as opposed to the glam shots that everybody puts up there yeah, yeah. it doesn't have to. I mean, there's a place for those sorts of shots. But, um, it, you know, how do you authentically say who you are and tell that story? And I guess really that's what that does. 
So you mentioned something that's very 2017, which is Facebook Live. We also yeah. have already talked about the fact that Facebook likes certain things and doesn't like certain things. And one of the things that's true right now in the first quarter of 2017 is Facebook really loves Facebook Live and they reward it, right? Like if you go live on Facebook, they go out and try to build an audience for you. What are some good uses of Facebook Live? And I want to ask you about streaming your services for churches that do that, and lots of them do, uh, yep. on your own channel versus Facebook Live. But let's start with, okay, the person who just has a smartphone, how yep. would the average church leader use Facebook Live well? What are some things to do and some things to avoid in your yep. view, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Facebook Live is a great tool, like you said, for reaching that next ring out. Um, Facebook at the moment isn't... Um, uh, aggr- pulling back the the people that you reach on Facebook Live, so you are reaching your whole audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they don't they haven't throttled back on who you're reaching. So if as a communicator, and I love free, uh, so I'm reaching all my audience for no money. So if you have a thousand likes or a hundred likes on your page, it goes to all one hundred or all one thousand. No filtering, no throttling. It has that potential to okay. do that. And it also is going to depend on the content that you put out there and how actually people, if they stay or don't stay. Okay, so, so say more about that. What What do you mean? Like, okay, so it goes to everybody, but not really? Yeah, um, so it will it will pop up as a notification, uh, notification on your phone. Uh, right. So that's what, something that doesn't happen on a lot of uh, Facebook posts now with your pages. So, it'll, so it, it, again, brings it into that attention economy where – Everyone's trying to get people's attention, and what Facebook does is pushes it to your phone to say, for me, it'd be Crossway is now live, um, and and you can't get that with any other kind of post. Right. So automatically, you'll just swipe and you'll, you can watch. So that's that's one advantage. So it's really just rising above the noise straight away, uh, and then you're reaching your whole audience. In terms of the average church, uh, I'd say, do you know what? There's There's lots of opportunities. Uh, with a simple camera and reasonable audio, there's lots of free software out there. There's there's something called OBS, which is free software that you can plug into Facebook Live and you can just record. Uh, it doesn't cost you a cent. And OBS, if you're already, we'll link to uh, it in the show notes. I can, I can link to someone that takes you through step by step by step on how to do that. It's really for the average techie, which most churches have, they could set that up really, really easily. And and again, you can schedule it and then you can just post it live. And if you're using a mic, you can put it into your sound desk and off you go. So you get the audio quality that you right. want as well. And which So is that really means you can be live without being live? Is that what you're saying? You can pre-record your live? Uh, you can do that with some other software, yes. Okay. So what yeah. is the advantage to OBS? Uh, well, OBS is free. Okay. So, That's good. Yeah. Yeah, so the next step up is paying, you know, four or $500 where you can actually put some pre-recorded content into Facebook Live. Um, so let's say for a church that wants to pre-record um, some pre-service announcements for Facebook, uh, they can do that first and then switch live into a stream with some um, higher quality um software. Gotcha. Okay. So what would be an example? Let's, let's start, we'll go to streaming churches in a minute, but let's just start with the average pastor. doesn't have much staff. It's just me and my smartphone. What would be a really good thing for he or she to put on Facebook live? The kind of thing to do, certainly not announcements. Hey, come to our potluck on Friday night, right? Like that. I think, think, yeah, for most pastors in your devotional time, uh, after your devotional time, um, write down what you just thought, processed, uh, and then at night, you can do a simple devotion on your Facebook page, uh, and you can do that to camera. Uh, make sure you're in a quiet room. Uh, and again, because it's live, you've got to do it when people are actually online. So oh, yeah, that. don't do it at 5 a.m. Nobody's online. Yeah, don't do it at 5 a.m. It might still be around, and most people do watch the replays, but if you can capture more people when they're online, they're probably going to comment they're probably going to uh, engage with you. So you can do that on your phone in a quiet room. Uh, it may not be as suitable for an auditorium or a sanctuary uh, when you're on stage and you're just using your phone mic, although you can get some kind of longer leads to be able to do that. But I'd say certainly for something where it's one-on-one, you may want to be able to pray for people. You can do that as well. So you can do a, 
a short video. Great idea. Ask people to pray, you know, or would you like prayer? Just drop a comment below. And again, that that's kind of true engagement. That shows you in a different light in a different right. way. Uh, that uh, what I would say is, if you're going to do that, just have someone who's a gifted communicator doing that, uh, who can um, present to camera. And not not every prayer pastor is going to be suitable uh, right. to do Facebook Live. Uh, and if you are going to do that, also have just someone commenting for you. So you might just want someone else in that room that's on your uh, on a Facebook app and actually as an admin on your page, just so they can comment along while you're mm-hmm. um, speaking or praying, uh, because that shows your audience that you actually are there and you actually really want to engage with them. Right. And again, that can just be a volunteer at your church or whoever. Yeah. So you kind of set it up. And, and I would agree, you want to get the right person on. They, they always say on video, the rule of video is if you're an eight out of 10 live, you're probably a seven out of 10 on video or a six out of 10. Mm-hmm. Like it, it does diminish who you are a little bit. So if you have a, a fumbling staff member or team member, they're probably not the best person to put on Facebook live in terms of engagement. No, that's, that's right. What I'd also say is, you know, most people um, would just present to camera like they're doing on the pre-recorded video. Mm-hmm. The, th- the thing about uh, Facebook Live is that you can actually prompt people. So as Facebook builds the audience for you, you can um, do an introduction to what you're going to be speaking about, wait for your audience to build. And once your audience builds, you can actually ask people, yeah. hey, you want, if you want to comment on this, if you've got a question for me, drop a comment below. That, and they might have genuine questions for you, and that's great. From a social strategy point of view, by them commenting on your video, all of a sudden their friends are going to see your video. Mm-hmm. So just from an engagement point of view, uh, in terms of a tactical opportunity, there's a wonderful tactical opportunity for your church by actually truly engaging with people. No, and I would say, here's, here's another idea, I'll test it out, out on you, but when I've used Facebook Live, 90% of the time I've done what I call an Ask Me Anything, and I'll just go yep. live on my page. Usually it takes two or three minutes for your audience to build, but usually within the first five minutes, there's a bunch of questions. And yep. I just literally have a small tripod, I throw my phone on the tripod, and then I just scroll down, and away we go. And it, it's it's kind of fun that way. Like, I've really enjoyed that and you know sometimes you get asked the same questions but it's a chance for people to go oh i've always steve i've always wanted to ask you or maybe you know after they listen to this podcast it's like well carrie never asked him the question i had but if you do a facebook live it's an ask me anything and they find it they follow you they like it they can ask you and chances are you'll answer it which is fun so it gives access um or or even you know the people you see at church on a sunday in a smaller church who may not be that you know, feel that comfortable asking a question, people will often be more comfortable on social asking that question than yeah. they would be in real life. Those are some good ideas. So uh, take us through now. Uh, here's the question I want to ask you. And the question is simply this. Do you think that Facebook Live is going to eclipse the streaming that so many churches do? Like, is it better just to shut down your internet campus and do Facebook Live? Or is it better to possibly... Yeah, is it better just if you're launching something, just say, hey, we're going to go with Facebook Live? Yeah, I, that's a really good question. I, I think that for the moment, in this first quarter of 2017, we're, we're in a, a unique space where Facebook isn't, they haven't monetized Facebook Live yet. Right. But here's the medium and long-term view on Facebook Live. They're going to monetize it because what Facebook does, it's like a drug dealer. It gets you addicted to a tactic. And then makes you, and then charges you for it, mm-hmm. so that it, it's. Um, and I've seen them do it over and over and yes. over again, where, where you know you just go, "This is fantastic! I'm reaching so many people," and then bang, you've got to pay for to reach the same amount of people. So, really, I I, I, I just hold that tactic lightly. Marry the mission, date the strategy. Right. You know, so you know. And it goes really, back to own your own your platform, right? You don't yeah. you don't want to live on rented ground. You don't want to base your whole strategy on rented ground. And the thing is, and, and and again, this is you know fairly advanced, but a lot of you are fairly advanced into social media as well. Facebook is changing its algorithm what? Not quite daily, but probably weekly. And so literally what worked last month may not work as well for you this month. And Twitter's, you know, now Twitter's no longer live feed. Instagram went to non-live feeds, so 
Uh, you control less and less of the message, which is why it's important to have your own channels like your website or any other, your email list where you have direct communication with that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any Anything else you want to say about Facebook or about Instagram or Twitter? And then we're going to jump into online. Yeah. I, I just one closing thought on Facebook is I, I don't want to discourage people not to jump into Facebook Live because there's still, the window's still open. And I, I think there are many windows into church life and you never know how people are going to find you through um, what window they're going to come. So it might be Instagram, um, but Instagram Live, you know, finishes when that finishes it's boof it's gone mm-hmm. um you know it might be twitter although it, that less so but i think um use every tactic at your disposal while you can but just be flexible so if you're a church and you're listening and facebook live is still open go for it like have some fun go for it experiment don't be afraid, afraid to fail um and you know, i've failed so many times on facebook um, you know, and, and that's okay. It's, you've got to try new things and experiment and new things. But like you say, eventually what you want to do is is bring them back to home base. Yeah, which is, you know, in my case, com. In your case, stevefog.com. In our church's case, connectuschurch.com. You own and control that real estate and you yeah. determine what happens there and the other channels can can lead you there. I think that's a, that, that strategy has been around for a long time and Seems to be the one that's weathering the storms too, right? As everything changes around us. So, um, so yeah, ninety thousand likes. So, what is the kind of engagement that you're getting? Like, is 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 are you actually doing ministry in that? Some people would ask because I know that people still think that like you can't really do ministry online, can you? That's a really great question. We could do a podcast just mm. on that question alone. Um, Here's what I'd say is that there are absolutely people who have visited our Facebook page once and won't visit us again. Uh, most people have found us through uh, Church Online. And I would say most people who have liked our page have visited Church Online. So it's we've turned them from a cold lead into a warm lead. So when we come back in front of them again, uh, there's a higher chance of them engaging with us. Some of those people that like us on Facebook are from other faith traditions. Mm-hmm. So we're actively pursuing people from other faith traditions, and you know we will have disagreements with them. When you say about that, do you mean like uh, Episcopalians versus Charismatics, or do you mean like Buddhists and, and Muslims versus Christians? Yeah, the latter. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. So it's yeah. truly interfaith. You're, and you've got that. Like I know you've got engagement from literally all around the world for a church yeah. in, in Melbourne, and we'll talk about that before we're done. So you're really having interfaith dialogue. You're doing evangelism because I think sometimes churches see their online campus as a backdoor. You know, in other words, now our people aren't attending as much anymore because they're watching online. But you've really found a way to make your social media footprint a front door. Look, it's absolutely the front door and the doors are wide open. Hmm. And, you know, really, uh, let me just tell you one very brief story. Uh, um, So we get Facebook messages all the time with people disagreeing with us. And um, so very politely, normally in a different language. So I'm hopping on Translate to... Seriously, you're doing Google Translate. That's pretty pretty cool. So I'm sure it's terrible, terrible (laughs) translation. But this is all I've got when I'm doing Turkish or Arabic or... So you're, you're, you're defining the Trinity using Google Translate? That's quite fascinating. <laughs> it's not quite that deep um, uh, theology. It's, it's basic yeah. apologetics. Yeah, yeah. So, it's like, uh, is Jesus God? That Google Translate can help with that. Uh, yeah. yeah well, normally, the, the number one um, criticism that we get is from Muslims who are in Middle East and They'll, they'll say Jesus was just a prophet. He was yeah. never claimed to be God. And it's that kind of, that's, you know, uh, that's the number one question that we get. And there was one young man in Turkey who we started off a conversation like that. And so this is just all through private messages. I just dialogued with him, encouraged him to download the Bible app from our friends at Life Church. He downloaded that. I suggested a verse. We went through that verse. We dialogued backwards and forwards. And he committed his life to Christ. Wow. Yeah, it was wow. It was a wow moment, and 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 this was all through Google Translate. This was all through um, you know message Facebook Messenger, through our 
church page. And that's just one of many, many stories where it's technology has been a great tool for us. It's not perfect. No, no, no. So that's amazing. There's one more person in heaven because of that. There's one more person who's trusted their life to Jesus because of that. But I'm going to play the cynic or the skeptic or the guy who runs the budget and just say, great. So he's in the Middle East. You're in Melbourne, Australia. I'm in Tampa, Florida. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm in Vancouver. How does that help me? I'm just being the really selfish Christian. Yep. What What's the argument? Yep. What, what's your response to that? Yep. Uh, by all means necessary. Mm. Uh, yeah. Win and by all means, you know, yeah. that's that's kind of our heartbeat. And for some people that come to a church online, they have one engagement with us and they're gone. And that can be the most significant engagement that, that they have in their life. For some of us, they, they may leave without making a commitment. But we will take uh, every opportunity to share the message of hope and, and faith this brings. And so we, we don't, we're, so I, I, just, I don't look at it that, do you know what? Some people, when they come in and we try to contact them, then they don't contact us back. That's okay. We can't control someone right. in North Africa mm-hmm. and how to message people. It's just, that's that's what I call the wild west of the internet. It's just, you know, that's the way it is. But we know when they write to us and they say, this happened to me, we take them on face value and say, okay, you've made that step. Here's how we can resource you. Here's how we can help you. The rest is up to you. Right. And and so then do you tend to have ongoing relationships with them where they join you every week online or some do and then others, I guess, just get lost in the shuffle, I'm sure, at some point? Um, so we have um, autoresponders set up so that everyone that contacts us, we have a system and a, just like you do offline. Like MailChimp, have, yeah. Yeah. yeah, have a process. We, we use uh, another product, uh, which um, I won't go into the detail now, but which is in terms of auto-responding, can tailor different messages depending on what they click on one page. And Inside Facebook or, or that off your website? This is on our um, church online platform. Okay. So it's, so it's a very um, uh, direct and to-the-point message that they've responded to rather than a generic response that um, some programs like MailChimp would give you right. in one small space. Um, but really, um, I guess... You know, we would make every effort to follow them up. Um, and some people are great and they really just keep pursuing it. Uh, some people just fall away and, but we'll still try and follow yeah, them yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a parable of the sower, right? And don't think that doesn't happen on your church or yeah, at your right. church. That happens every Sunday. Come on. There are yeah. people who were there last week who aren't there this week. And, you know, if you yep. can if you can reach twenty percent of them and turn them into fully devoted followers of Jesus, people walked away from Jesus. So you know, to say, well, I'm not going to work, I'm not going to do that online until everybody, you know, submits to Jesus Christ. Well, it's like, well, then you're going to reach nobody. Well, you've got to re- remember, it's a very non traditional format that we're reaching people on. Mm-hmm. So we can't have the same expectations. Uh, one of the biggest um, observations people make, and it's kind of a a velvet glove kind of punch really when they make the statement, which is how long are they on the platform for? And really what they're trying to say is it's not a genuine church experience. And (laughs) what I say to people about that, I go, do you know what people, some people are on for two seconds. Some people are on for 15. Some people are on for half a service. Some people come in in the last 10 minutes. We, we really can't control how they find us or when they find us. Um, But that person sitting in your church might be thinking about something completely different to what you're saying. Guaranteed. Yeah, or if it's really visible, they're asleep. You know, so, you know, (laughs) speaking churches. So do you deduct uh, them from your attendance on the weekend? You know, 10% who slept through the service, 5% who were distracted, 4% who were on their phones. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, you know, the phones are really, really obvious. And we know that habits online are very, very different. Mm-hmm. And we just have to roll with that difference. We've had that discussion with our team as well and with other leaders. And, you know, my answer is when you find out that, you know, 300 million people watch the Super Bowl or whatever the number would be, it's not like 300 million people tuned in for the pregame, watched the entire every second of it, didn't go to the bathroom, weren't switching right. channels. They have a low metric like 10 minutes or I don't know what it is. It's pretty low. And it's like this many people. And you just, you have to go with who's there. And again, the churches that are doing nothing online are guaranteed to reach no one. 
So, yes. Uh, okay. That's really good to know. What are you finding out about engagement? Because one of the real discussions online is broadcast versus dialogue, right? Broadcast, and a lot of churches do that. It's like, we don't have a chat room. There's no way to interact. You're watching the service. You're listening, watching the message. It's almost like a podcast, except it's live, right? Yep. Uh, but yep. you've gone the life church route, which is to engage. We have gone that route, but we find, just speaking very candidly, we have several hundred, not several thousand watching online every Sunday, uh, but a very small percentage tend to engage. And some Sundays, there's almost no engagement. What do you do with that? Like, how do you, how have you, what is your engagement rate? And what are some things you've done that have helped um spark engagement we're less than a year into it so we're just experimenting like crazy so we're trying to figure it out i I guess i've used my social strategy approach to church online really in terms of if you want someone to engage with you you've actually got to ask for it you've actually got to you've got to direct people that they're not going to vicariously know that you've got a chat wall somewhere if you don't tell them you've got a chat wall right if you don't ask them to comment um i even ask people icebreaker questions when they turn up so Often I'll do the piece to camera and say, hey, it's great that you're here today. And if you're watching for the first time, I just want to let you know we've got a live wall below where you can ask any question you have and you can dive in there right now. Why don't you dive in there right now and tell us where you're watching from? So I'm I'm actively driving people to comment or let, and, you know, people do. People will just say, hey, I'm watching from, you know, Egypt or I'm watching from, you know, the United Kingdom, or and it, we're actively pushing people to comment, and it might be the only comment they make. But the beautiful thing about for, for us is that we we want to start a conversation. We'll never know where that conversation will lead, and when people see other people commenting and engaging, it encourages them to comment and engage. The numbers are still very low. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, what are you seeing? Ten percent, five percent, twenty percent. I would say in terms of uh, engagement between, uh, be up to 10%. Yep. Okay. Depending That's on, what we see. We see between, you know, sometimes five to 10%. Yeah. So I know for us in our morning services, which is probably Saturday night for a lot of people, um, the engagement is lower. When we switch on to European daytime and kind of um, Eastern Seaboard in the United States daytime and South America, uh, we really see engagement lift because more people are there. Right. Uh, and that's just an... A, so a you're, the majority of your audience is non-Australian. Is that right? The vast majority, yeah. Really? So it really is a global ministry. And and again, you know, for people who are like, why are you doing that? Well, you have a missions program. Guess what? You just invented one, right? Yeah. Well, so well, go ahead. Well, let me just say this. The world is awake 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Who are you reaching? That is the opportunity that every church has. And, you know, for us, we've taken that strategy where we go, do you know what? In Australia, we've got the opportunity to reach 24 million people. Above us, we've got Indonesia. That's 100 million people. Above them, there's China. We can't get to China. That's okay. But we've got all these other time zones as well that we can reach. And don't be surprised by who speaks English. Like, really, don't be surprised. Like, we have people from Pakistan. They'll speak English really, really well. India. You know, Algeria, Turkey, uh, that, you know, that they're some of our top countries, the Philippines, Brazil, you know, Portuguese, Philippines. Which is fascinating because you're not exactly, I mean, you're a very Australian church. I've been there. I've worshipped with you guys. And it's not all that different from what you'd see in America or Canada or the UK. Uh, and yet there's a point of resonance. So uh, explain the time zone strategy because that's something you do, right? Like you run your yeah. services. We run ours at 9 and 10.30 on a Sunday morning, Eastern time, which is very convenient if it's Eastern. Uh, but if you're in California, good luck. You're up at like, uh, you know, 6 a.m. Yeah, well, I guess what we've taken um, and, you know, some churches will have a local strategy, some will have a regional strategy, and some will have a an a national than an international strategy. And I, I guess it's just about defining your purpose. For us, very clearly, our kind of why was global. Uh, we see an opportunity to reach a global audience because that's basically what we can do with social media. So really, uh, the world is awake 24-7 uh, and the opportunity is there. And, you know, I was here in the UK at uh, Easter and I had the privilege to pray with a man in Northern Africa uh, who committed his life to Christ. Wow. You know, it's just that kind of, wow, yeah, I, I, God isn't 
you know, limited by our vision to be just a local church. You know, mm. if I, if we hadn't done this, who knows what would have happened? And, you know, so it's, it's that kind of um, incredible privileged position that we can be in where I might be asleep, but Australia's awake. Um, Australia might be asleep, but I'm awake here in the UK. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, so there's lots of opportunities. And I, I guess what I'd say to churches that want to have a local strategy is have a local strategy, expect local results from that strategy. Um, have a regional strategy, just expect regional results and, and just be realistic about that as well. And, you know, for us, it's not necessarily about the size and the scope of how many people are coming. It's just about really we see the opportunity uh, before us, and as you visited our church, you know, you know, we are a multicultural church. Yeah, you are. Yeah. So it, it's really uh, what we try to do is reflect who we are as a church, because uh, we literally, you know, forty percent of our church is Asian, twenty five percent of our church is from a European background, and uh, and you know, Eastern yeah. Pacific, Western Pacific. So we're just trying to be faithful to who we are. Let's, this is so helpful, but let's talk about local engagement. So Melbourne is a city of how many people? It's millions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So there's millions of people in Melbourne, and we have a lot of people who are doing city ministry who listen to this podcast. And again, yep. if you've been to Australia, it's not all that different from North America. I mean, the people are fantastic. I love it. I would go in a heartbeat anytime I have the opportunity. Um, it's a beautiful country. but um, so, so it's way more similar than you think. Um, but what, what has your online engagement strategy done in terms of reaching local people? Well, it's had the same impact, really. Um, there are many towns and villages in Australia now that have no churches in them. Mm-hmm. And for people who are in those towns and villages, they're still looking for a church to belong to. And even when we're starting up, uh, I did a bit of radio around the country and, um, that was fascinating who that was bringing out because we'd have people that were saying, I'm driving three hours to get to church with my kids because Australia's a big country. I don't necessarily need to do that anymore. I can now just, you know, hop online and, and take a, you know, a six hour back into my day kind of thing. Then it'll be disabled people who can't leave their home. Uh, that was just an absolute eye opener for me, I think, in terms of, I had a, a man call me and he was profoundly disabled uh, with arthritis. And he said, Steve, you don't know what this has done for me. This is in Melbourne. Uh, you are now my church. Uh, I've never been able to attend church wow. in 20 years, but you are now my church. And that's been repeated over and over and over again and uh, around the country. I had a lady from Northern New South Wales contact us and say, would it be all right? I've been attending your church online for about a month now. Would it be all right if I... Uh, brought people into my house and we watched the church service together. Is that okay? <laughs> uh, uh, yes, 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 yes. Let me let me think. Yes. Can we resource you? Yeah. Oh, that's good. What do you do to resource people when they connect with you? Yeah. Well, um, again, we we are an Australian church, so we actually, while we're a large church financially, we 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 push that boundary just like every other church of every other size. So. Really, what we try to do is focus our resources around our weekend experiences. So we're trying to um, reframe that weekend um, experience through an email that goes out on a Monday, which Mm. has questions for life groups um, to take people deeper into the weekend content. We're trying to help people get into life groups. We do that online as well, as, as well as offline. Uh, which I can talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're really driving engagement into community, but then into mission as well. So that lady was just obviously operating way ahead and inviting people already into her house. You know, we had people um, in Adelaide in South Australia, a yeah. family fix, and they will watch it on a on a projector. And because, you know, sometimes it's just too crazy for them to get to church. And they don't come to our church they were in between churches and they were just checking out church online and they they were there for a season. You know, then there are people who are working. There are many people who work on a Sunday and, you know, so they'll hop on at night because they've been working a full day on Sunday. There are people who travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had I was chatting to a crossway person who I know. He was in China and he'd, you know, gone through the firewall 
and um, was watching church online from his hotel room in China. So uh, don't ever be surprised by who will visit your online campus. In fact, another surprise was um, uh, Far East workers in the Middle East who who are based in the Middle East. They're imported to do kind of menial jobs. And there they are. They see this ad in Facebook and they click and attend church online. The amount of Filipino people that attend our church online, they're our biggest group of people on Facebook, but most of them are now in the Middle East. You said, and I was taking notes, I've been taking notes <laughs> during this interview, and so you caught me, you said, I can say a little bit more. Remind me of what you wanted to say more about and then say more about it. Well, it's really, it's, it's the, the capacity to never be surprised by your audiences that you're reaching. Right. Right. And, and, and that's, uh, I guess, you know, as church leaders, we go, I want to reach this person at this age. And for online, um, you can certainly target certain age groups and demographics and all that but sort of gonna stuff. you're going to get who you're going to get. But you're going to get who you're going to get. And I, I think for me, it's really opened my eyes up to um, there's a whole world out there, 24-7, billions of people. The opportunities are endless. It's really just about who do you want to connect with? How many times during the day? Uh, because, you know, we've run Christmas services and Easter services, and we've expanded it through those times. And mm-hmm. we'd have, you know, we'd start on Christmas Eve our time, which was, I think, Christmas Eve morning UK time. Uh, and we would finish it Boxing Day Australia time, which would be kind of Christmas night in the US. And we'd do 45 services. Wow. So who monitors those? Like, are you working 36 hours a day? You have a team? How does that work? Yeah, so I have a fantastic team of volunteers uh, who um, on a Sunday are there. They pray for people. They're called online hosts. Uh, They're wonderful. They are there to welcome people. It's like your welcome team at church. Yeah. Um, Really chat with people if they want to chat. And everyone takes a shift. So you have one or two services and wow. Yeah. Yeah, and we have a roster that's online. Everyone knows who's serving when, and um, okay. and, and you know, and that's basically it's all, all online. Basically, do you ever get people who are like, "Great, you got a global audience, but like, who's paying for this thing?" Or do do you have that or not? I can see people saying that. Yeah, look, uh, that that again, that, that could be that skepticism yeah. there. It's really, um, but when people hear the stories. I think their heart changes Love. and you know that's really one of the um, values that I've drilled into my um, host volunteers is the more stories we can tell the more people will reach because I know as soon as people buy in to what we're doing um, more will join us and you know even one of our online hosts who caught that vision Tommy's story uh, of a Sikh friend of his who uh, is based in Melbourne wouldn't come to Crossway even though he'd been invited wouldn't attend an alpha course, even though he'd been invited. But this online host said, look, I'm hosting this service. Would you come to this service? And this Sikh man joined the service and said he felt God there. Wow. So it, and, and it's that sort of opportunity. I just go, that's it. Every single week. But most stories we actually won't know. Yeah. But let's celebrate the story. And you have to we- remember that. You have to remember that. It probably is also the easiest invite. Probably is yep. the easiest invite. Okay, quickly, because time's, time's zipping by. What are some mistakes you made along the way? What are some things that you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, this one, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought about that one. One was underestimating our impact. Hmm. And um, I, I thought, do you know what, we're going to reach people in Australia. And, and actually, I thought Indonesia would be a um, quite a responsive audience and New Zealand uh, but I was just been blown away by um, the size of the response, um, and that, that's surprised me. Um, a, another surprise uh, or mistake would be really underestimating what's required uh, to create great quality music. Mm. And uh, hats off to my uh, creative team at Crossway; they've responded so well. The volunteers who have sang to an empty auditorium uh, without fully understanding why they're doing it. Um, for the first time, we did some pre-records for our worship sets. Um, so all of our services are pre-recorded 
and then it's what's called simulated live. Oh, so um, even the message is pre-recorded? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so when you watch it, it's actually not really live, but the hosts are live. That's how we can repeat it so many times. It's the same strategy that Life Church basically has. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So, um, for the lesson for me was really, I need to spend more time envi- envisioning along to other people the power and the impact that they could do by worshiping. So, the first time we did that worship um, set, people really didn't understand why they were doing a worship set to an empty auditorium. Mm. By the time we did the second one um, and we shared all the stories, people finally got it. And that's really a, um, a kind of a leadership lesson for me was don't assume everyone knows what I know uh, and don't assume everyone has the same passion for it that that I have. And, you know, uh, you need to spend time with people. You need to share the stories with people to kind of bring them along on that journey with you. Is it not live because you need to be able to reproduce it? Like you can't just capture the first service and repeat, 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 repeat. Is that why? I'm just curious. Uh, so um, we decided to, because we were starting out, we looked at what resources do we have available for us to just take our Sunday service and um, play that. We had one sound desk, which was mixed mm-hmm. for the auditorium. Mm-hmm. So that would we need a second sound desk. We would need someone who was also mixing just for that sound desk. Our musicians then would need to um, would also feel the tension that they'd never had to feel before of playing live and knowing it's going somewhere else. So uh, there's lots of factors that play. predominantly budget to start with. So this was a really efficient way of recording, uh, getting up to a, a standard hour creative team wanted in terms of their output um so it, it was just a small yeah and step. and in the live room is way more forgiving on mistakes in a band than yeah. than the program mix yeah we added a second mixer and i mean when you listen to the online mix you hear more of the flaws than you ever do in the room yeah and, and that's the thing you, if you think about the context of the little box of tv that you're in and you know the headshot matters the cutaway matters that if the sound's terrible, people aren't going to stay. No, they're not. And that's the reality. Okay. So as we wrap up, if a church is starting out, zero budget, not much team, where do they start? Particularly, you know, let's talk to the leaders who are like 100 people, 200 people, 300 people at their church. Where, where do you even start when you barely get to Sunday? Yep. Uh, so um, Life Church provide a free platform called the chop platform so just google that life church church online platform it's free anyone can use it uh, you can also use a service called vimeo you can upload your videos to vimeo you can embed those videos into the church online platform and uh, uh, that's not going to cost you anything like literally that's, that's free it's it's amazing and that's a great place to start there are other platforms out there we use a platform called media social which i love because of the social integration in that mm-hmm. but that's going to cost you a little bit of money uh, but what i love about that is that i can see who's attended how long what their name is where they're from uh, from their facebook profile so it gives me yeah. lots of really rich information but if you're just starting out i just say as i was told uh, i had lots of generous churches share their training and their mistakes with me just start like mm. just get going and um, you know, even if it's just your message, um, you know, you still mic'd up for your message, got a video, even just put that on. Uh, and if you're going to do music, scale back on your music, scale back on your expectations. You might do a smaller worship set, an acoustic set even. You know, th- there's lots of flexibility that you can do. And really, that's where I'd start. No, that's good advice. And if you're not ready for an online campus or you don't want to do one, I guess you start where? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like Snapchat? Where would you pick as a place to start? So um, I would start where your audience is. Mm -hmm. For most people, that is Facebook. Uh, I've seen uh, Instagram Live come up, so I'm intrigued by that at the moment. 
Um, the only thing I don't like about Instagram Live is that it doesn't give you a headline of what the video is. No. Uh, I just not, got it the other day and I haven't used it yet. So Yeah, so there's a few things that I, I see, but I feel like it's got potential. Um, mm. Yeah, but Facebook Live is a great place to start. I, I think really Facebook is uh, at the moment a great opportunity for churches. I, I see another pastor in New South Wales, a guy called John Dixon, and uh, he Facebook Lives his service. And John's a very gifted communicator. And, um, you know, and I see his service in my feed. And, um, and, I, and I see how many people are watching his feed. And by the end of the night, I, I go back and, you know, he's got like 6,000 views. Isn't that incredible? And, and you know, because he shared it on his personal profile as well. And so that's reaching even more people. And, you know, so there's there's a massive opportunity. And he doesn't have great audio. He doesn't have great video. But he's certainly getting out there. And he's reaching people. So here's what we're going to do, Steve, to finish this yeah. up. And this is like an inception moment. So for those of you who follow me on Instagram, I'm doing the very first ever uh, Instagram Live. So here we are to wrap up this podcast. So we're now live on video. I'm actually streaming our podcast. So there we are. You see how easy that is to do? And now you can see Steve. Hey, how are we, everyone? And, and that's well, just to... to <laughs> they can't hear you because you're in my earbuds. But um, anyway, this is fun. because, And you know what? There's already six viewers. So there you are. Six. Yeah, not 60, but six. My very first ever Facebook Live. And that's out of what? 5,000 followers, I think. Here, I'll pull my headphones out for this. Toby may not like it, but we're almost done the podcast. So anyway, they can hear you now. Um, yeah. But... Hey, everyone. We're talking about church online and getting a bit of reverb in that. <laughs> we are. I'll turn it down a little bit. I told you my <laughs> producer wouldn't like that. Sorry, Toby. Sorry, listeners. But just to show you, like, I'd never done that. And I've already got engagement. Bree is saying you should definitely do this more. So if you're intimidated by that, uh, just know that if you've never used um, Instagram Live, Facebook Live, anything like that, literally, it was as simple for me as flipping a switch and, a, and away we go. So Steve, as we wrap up this podcast and all of you on Instagram, I'm just uh, recording a future episode of my leadership podcast. And for those of you who are listening, welcome to Inception. Um, can, you, can you tell us uh, where people can find you online? Yeah, and, uh, and we'll link to everything in the show notes too. So, uh, you can just find me at my name, Steve Fogg, F-O-G-G.com. Um, I've also, in anticipation of us talking, just created um, a short video for anyone that wants to explore starting or launching a church online. So uh, it's free, there's no cost, and uh, it's one of the kind of the, the things that people don't think about when they're starting uh, a church online campus. So I've just called it Three Essential Ingredients to Starting and Launching Your Church Online. It's free. Just go to my blog. By the time we do this, it'll be up there when I figure out how to use Adobe Premiere. so <laughs> When you figure that out, well, that'll be before I figure it out. So, yeah. Steve, this is great. And thank you for your generosity as well. We will link to your blog and to that free resource in the show notes. And uh, I just want to thank everybody who joined us for the last few minutes on Instagram Live as well. So <laughs> there you go. That just shows you. It was as easy as picking up my phone, going live, and now we're up to 11 people. Wow, how about that? <laughs> That's great. It's done in 12. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, now we just hit 12. Hey, Steve, thank you so much. And, and uh, I've really enjoyed this time together. Really appreciate you, man. Bless you. Thank you. Well, isn't this a fun time to be alive? Like, I think it's amazing. Even doing this podcast, it's like, you know, this didn't exist a decade ago. And I was a listener long before I launched my own. And I mean, that's basically what I listen to these days. I listen to a ton of podcasts. And I listen to music. Uh, the radio seems to have gone by the wayside, along with a lot of other technology, but I just find it a fascinating world we live in. So how is your church using it? How is your church using technology? How's your organization using technology? And did you just basically set a pattern five years ago and leave it? Because I think that's what a lot of us do. So I want to keep growing. I want to keep learning. I want to keep you know, plowing new furrows to use an old metaphor. And I hope you do too. So we're back next week with um, part two in this mini series with Justin Dean, where he and I talk almost at a meta level about the future church in an online world. 
Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then Bob and Maria Goff are coming up. If you haven't subscribed, you can do that. We've got a lot of uh, great guests coming up in the next little while. And um, hey, go check out Belay Solutions. And if you fill out their interest form or you hire an associate or an assistant, by, let's say, the end of May, we're going to jump on a conference call together and uh, learn together how to best leverage a virtual team because that kind of is the age we live in, isn't it? I think it is anyway. So thanks for listening today. Hey, uh, I'm going to give you a snippet before we go from my conversation with Justin Dean just to tease it out. What I cancel churches on now and and when, when pastors are calling me because they're going through something or they got... Uh, you know, they're called by a newspaper or something like that. And I'm trying to help them with it is instead of just holding off and not saying anything, you, you can be candid and treat people with respect and, and build relationships where you can say, Hey, I can't share this with you, but here's why. And, mm-hmm. and at least try to meet them halfway to say, say what you can say. Instead, our, our position was really just to say nothing at all. And, and, uh, you know, trust us, we know what we're doing and we're doing everything right. And, you know, you, you can't really say that to someone who's criticizing you because then that's just giving them more ammo. And we will see a lot of you next week at Rethink Leadership. If you're there, hit me up on social media. I'm on Twitter at C. Newhoff, on Instagram as Carrie Newhoff, and then also on Facebook. So make sure you say hello. If you're at Orange Conference, I'll be speaking there and Rethink Leadership. Also just going to be hanging out at the Drive Conference in May at North Point. So hopefully we'll get to connect with a lot of you there. Back next Tuesday with a fresh episode. I really do hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.